you can't even slow me down You know I'll spread this wild around So if you shoot, you better shoot me now Shots fired on me What is up guys? Happy New Year. Welcome back to the Bread to Build podcast, a project dedicated to sharing the stories of the people who build and those who help move construction forward. My name is Brett Gond. I'm the founder of Hammer and Builders of Insta. And today I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Panella. What's happening, guys? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Bread to Build podcast. My name is Matt Panella, also known as Matt Bangswood, framer and YouTuber based out of Central California. Today, we're bringing on Sean Collinsgrew, the outdoor living master from New Jersey. Sean, welcome to the show. What's going on, guys? I uh, appreciate you having me on here. We're, we're going to clap for every guest now. <laughs> I think Matt to. is trying to start a trend. It's a must. And if most people probably won't see this as a video, but Matt is wearing reindeer antlers on the Zoom call. So we're, we're in trying to keep it professional spirit. here. Very to. I'm, I'm digging it. Holiday spirit. Yeah, it's like December 46 now. I think 2020 is still sticking around a little bit. If I told you that my holiday decorations were still up and the Christmas tree is still in the living room, would you believe me? Yes, because my Christmas tree is also still up. There we go. <laughs> John, is your Christmas cheap. tree up? I didn't set one up, so what? Therefore, I don't, you know, need to put it away. Life hack. Like, <laughs> we usually do like a little <laughs> bit of decorating, but. My wife's pregnant this year. Um, when is you know, she not having March 8th? Oh, so like, it's coming up. You got a busy corner. One ahead of you. Yeah, it's going to be. Are you excited? It's going to be an adjustment. I'm, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm, this is first baby for you, huh? It is. Yeah. And I When's feel like two? a little child myself, you know? So it's, uh, it's scary and exciting, but. Um, That's awesome. Congratulations. You know? Thank you. Thank you. It's going to be an adjustment for sure. Kind of a little, little less the... white claw. <laughs> yeah. A little more water. Yeah. There you go. Hey, I got my water right here. There we go. Yeah. All I'm right. Really so training for it. Let, let's dive into this a little bit. Um, <laughs> kind of brief summary on you to where people can get to know you. When did you start in business? What led you to where you are today? Um, so I started out in as Premier Outdoor Living in 2015. And prior to that, I was just doing landscaping, like cutting lawns and doing mulch and cleanups and stuff. And just had the opportunity to work on really just like one outdoor living project where we built a deck and a patio. And I kind of just like talked my way into, you know, getting this job, which I really at the time didn't know how to do, but um, I thought I could figure it out along the way and just did a bunch of research and, and found while we were working on that job that I just really loved like the creative element of it. So really right after that, I just decided, all right, I'm going to get rid of all the loan accounts, um, basically sell everything that I have in the business and start just doing decks and patios, which, um, you know, if I had thought it through anymore, I probably wouldn't have done it because it was kind of a ridiculous uh, business decision at the time, but that was, uh, six years ago and it's well, going it's going pretty good no regrets now yeah for sure so I mean, you I really had no regrets the whole time it just like it just like felt right like i i hated i wouldn't say i hated cutting lawns but like my skill set was like not suited for that whatsoever i'm like the most disorganized person and welcome to the you club you need to be <laughs> feels like i'm in i'm in good company then 
but so uh you you don't have a background in carpentry not really um so I my dad yes that <laughs> my dad owns a construction company he's like kind of semi-retired now but like growing up he had a construction company so i was like familiar with all the tools and you know okay. just like the the sort of the process like i i worked with him a little bit but you know he was always like you know if you're coming in to work with me like you're gonna clean up and like do whatever like the lowest guy is doing i'm not gonna like have you come in and like teach you how to do carpentry you gotta stick around for longer than that yeah and the longest i stuck around was like four months after high school so i didn't really learn that that much from them but just being familiar with the tools and you know, kind of knowing some of the processes by just seeing it and being around it helped a lot. And then I kind of had that safety blanket of, you know, I know that if I get into a jam and like, I don't know how to do something, I have, you know, my dad or my brother to call and say, all right, I have no clue what I'm doing. How, how do I, you know, set this beam to, yeah, you know, support whatever. Um, so that was like a, a safety blanket, I guess when I was getting started, I knew I had some, some people to call on to help me out if I got into a jam, but, um, didn't just really honestly didn't think about it too much. I was excited about the creative aspect of it and just went kind of ran with it. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I honestly didn't, didn't expect that one bit. Um, yeah. I want to say before we go any further, I've been following on YouTube since just about day one. Um, you guys build some awesome projects. So for anybody listening that wants to check it out, Premier Outdoor Living on YouTube. Uh, my next question for you is, wh what's the next step? I know you got baby on the way. You got yeah. any big goals for the new year? Um, so really just to, to like double down on, you know, the content that we're making, the YouTube stuff, it's, that's really been a way for us to, really for me to just like incorporate more of like my hobbies, I guess, into my job. Like that's always yeah. been a big thing for me. Like I want to be excited about work and like, I want to have fun every day and almost like to a fault where I'm just like joking around too much on site. But, um, it's just a way for me to like build cool stuff, be really creative and then have this other outlet where I can film it and edit it. And I have fun doing that. So we're building some bigger projects this year. We're almost sold out for 2021 already. And, really? um, it, it's, it's been crazy. I mean, we're, we're pretty small. We only have, it's only five of us, but, um, you know, just kind of trying to come up with new ideas this year, trying to get better as a designer and a builder and, you know, try to get somewhat on your level with, uh, video content and editing. Oh gosh. But <laughs> well, I, I think you're definitely on the right track. I watched I've watched some of them where it's like a more a basic deck build. And then I'm watching some of them now where you're incorporating like every single product that they offer. You have six different colors running through. It's getting, well, so <laughs> I can't wait. When you only do decks and patios, um, <laughs> after you've done YouTube videos on like 10 projects, you're like, all right, we've kind of covered like almost everything that we do. So now it's like, if we're going to make more YouTube videos, we got to like, try to do something really cool in every project so that's like cut into productivity quite a bit and I get carried away with stuff a lot but um it's just I mean it's it's that's the part I really love about it I'm you not go crazy 
Yeah. And it's like, you know, the part of the business is, is the YouTube and the content stuff. So, you know, I, I can get carried away on a job and, you know, maybe spend an extra like two days there if I come up with a crazy idea. And it's not like it's just complete loss. It's kind of like building towards that bigger vision of, yeah. um, you know, creating more content. And like I said, decks and patios, like at their core are pretty basic. I mean, there's not like that much to talk yeah, about. So you've got to get creative. Yeah, exactly. So before we jump into the next topic, do you, how, how does this work with you and clients? Do you pretty much get free creative ideas to just go nuts on things or do they like pretty, to? Pretty much. I mean, I think I've kind of marketed the business in a way that like, that's kind of why you're hiring us is for those cool ideas. So bring in the professional with all the ideas. Yeah. So like, we'll have like a, a, a really good outline of what we're going to do, but um, a lot of times I'll come up with ideas like while we're there and, you know, I'll just kind of like see something like, wow, that's going to be really cool. And I really want to do it. So we're just going to do it. And it might take like maybe an extra day or something like that. But, um, you know, clients get excited about it. That's what they really like. A lot of them now are like finding us through Instagram or YouTube and the power of social media. It's, I never thought that YouTube would lead to any local like leads, but it actually has. And it's like, if they're watching our YouTube videos, they're so invested in us and what we do mm-hmm. that it's like, there's no, there's no sales pitch really. It's just like, I've yeah, seen they, all your stuff. Know getting, I know yeah. everything that you do. I know that you're going to make videos while you're here. I can't wait. And well, at least you get like people. I've got people wanting to fly me to Chicago to frame their house. It's like, this is <laughs> out of the option. <laughs> yeah. I get, I get like people that are like, Hey, can you, it's it's like people will email us through through the contact form on our site and be like hey i see you're in new, you're in new jersey do you do projects in ohio and it's like what company like yeah what like <laughs> what how am i gonna do that can and, you bring everyone to california to build me a tent yeah neck? <laughs> it's like yeah it'll cost you like 400 grand if you want to spend that but <laughs> um yeah it'd be cool to do that like maybe once especially if it was like for somebody famous or like a athlete or something. I've got, I've got a project coming up. Um, We haven't signed contract yet, but it's, it's four hours South of us, which is far more than I'd ever want to travel. Uh, Yeah, that's far. He owns a chain of restaurants, not doing it because he's famous or anything, but doing it because it's a pretty little, pretty rad little build, but that's kind of the same, same line there. It's like a once in a lifetime type of thing. Why not? Well, he's probably getting a pretty sweet house built. So, yeah, we, we make a little bit of money. He gets a nice house built. We're we're stoked. Yeah. Are you getting like any free food as part of I mean, I like a lifetime know, supply? But I'm so I'll take a cut off the freaking check if we get like a lifetime supply. That'd be pretty free awesome. Free drinks. Yeah. Next meetup is there. <laughs> Perfect. Sean, I want to, I want to talk to you about, uh, differentiating your business. Um, you do it in a lot of different ways. The, the, the branding, the content, just the projects that you do. But, uh, one thing that intrigued me was, uh, in our group chat, you, you touched on something, uh, that you said the rat race and we're, we're chatting earlier and you were talking about differentiating your business and not getting caught up in the rat race with other businesses. 
tell us a little bit more what exactly you mean by this. Cause I think it's a really important topic. I think that a lot of people that are starting a business, you know, they kind of see this like one way of growth and it's like, you know, to be a successful contractor, you have to have, you know, all these crews going, you have to be like the biggest and, you know, doing the most projects. And I think a lot of people get kind of like stuck in this cycle of growing for the sake of growing with not really having like a vision of like where, where's like the end goal. And yeah, a lot of times, you know, like what I do now with, with one crew if I grow to 10 crews, like my job is not the same anymore. I'm no, not on site every day. Strictly management. It's, it's, you know, you're, you're not anywhere near the tools. You're not doing any of that. And the skill set that I have that makes us successful running one crew, it works great for that. But I, I know that I don't have the skill set to organize a large company. And I think a lot of people don't self-evaluate and see like, what are my real skills? Like what, what sets me apart and kind of align that with where their business is going and how they're deciding to grow. And people are just kind of like, you know, continually reinvesting into new equipment and more equipment and more crews. And it's like, you know, they're just like siphoning all their profits so that they can pay less taxes and own more equipment. And a lot of times taking on more debt at the same time. And it's like, you know, you're, I think people just kind of ignore the fact that you can run a really successful, small, lean business and, you know, get into a really nice niche where you can be super profitable. You can have more fun. You can do something that's catered to your skill set better and, you know, just have less stress and still be really successful. And I think a lot of people miss that and they just see this is the way to grow a successful contracting business. They see, they see power in numbers. I've got 30 employees. We're, we're doing six projects right now. I've said it for the longest time. You can make $5,000 profit on 10 houses and you can make $50,000 profit on one house. There's no difference in the two aside from 10 times the work and a lot more employees to deal with. So I agree with it completely. And I want to plug for just a second, nearly every YouTuber in the construction industry on this because Kyle with RR Buildings has him, Greg, and I I believe his brother. Um, Essential Craftsman has him and one other guy. Um, The the Crazy Framer has one dude. There's pretty much like nobody running 50 guys. Everyone's doing big stuff, but they're doing it with less people. Definitely. And it's, and it, especially if you're like, like what Kyle's doing, making videos and everything, that's like, I mean, you can tell that's like such a big part of his business that, and me doing, you know, one twentieth of what he's doing with YouTube and stuff. I know how much work it is. So like, I can't believe the projects that he's building and just seeing him and Greg on site. Like I'm like, and seeing him still like put up, you know, an entire like uh, metal roof ceiling inside like a 60 by thousand foot you know, barn in one day. It's, it's insane. Yeah. No, there's there, you don't need a hundred employees to be successful. And I think that's something a lot of people misinterpret when getting into business. And I think, you know, the, the fact of being just like a lean small business with like low overhead, 
try to maximize your profits as much as possible, you're going to just be, you're going to be able to endure the ups and downs so much better because, you know, if you're doing huge volume and you have huge overhead, you know, and you're running on say like a 10% profit margin and you're just all about that volume. Yeah. If you get, you know, there's a small downturn in the economy and your, your top line revenue drops by 20%, there goes all your profit. You know, you're still going to have the same overhead. You can lay some guys off, I guess, but you know, there's something to be said for just staying lean, trying to minimize your overhead. You, you can be more flexible and like nimble in the decisions that you make because every winter I kind of reevaluate things and make decisions on how I want to change like the direction of our business. And if I had 20 employees, that wouldn't be possible, but staying small, I'm able to kind of see what I think is coming next in the industry and what, where the trends are headed and like, kind of change course and go that direction because we're small. And I think there's a lot of benefits to that. I, and I, think I really think that there is as well. I think more people should just be cool and proud with where they're at and just say, this is, this is cool. This is a success for me. I get to do something I love every day. Yeah. I don't need the headache of 50 employees. This is what I want to do. And, you know, I think there's ways to become more profitable and, in a lot of ways, you're more marketable when you're a smaller company. You know, there's, there's definitely a market for that kind of more personal experience that people have when you're on site. Well, not only that, but I, I'd be curious to see stats on it. I'd bet somewhere right around 75% of construction companies couldn't shut down for a month, let alone a couple oh, yeah. of weeks and survive. Yeah. Everybody's sure. in that rat race of we need to stay working nonstop. It's, it's yep. a bad cycle to be in. For sure. It takes, it takes all the fun out of it. You know, it's like, I got in this to do something that I love and, and, you know, just be able to like enjoy it and just look forward to going to work. And if you're constantly stressed that, Oh my God, if we don't, if we spend an extra, like say week on this project, there goes all of our profits. We're done. We yeah. got to go to the next one. I got to get the deposit for that one. Cause we're way behind on this and I'm losing money. Robin it's just like Peter to pay Paul. It's amazing how much I think so many people in the construction industry are like basically running a pyramid scheme. You know, they've spent all the money from the job they're currently on, and they're just like taking the next deposit to pay the labor to finish this job. And it's yep. just like that's why if they ever, ever like if they ever stop, stop and take working, a break, they're yeah, screwed. Exactly. So it's and this is this is just kind of my random thoughts i've i've no expertise or clout to back any of this up so (laughs) we are not financial advisors (laughs) exactly we're just kind of shooting from the hip here but i've always kind of like valued vision over you know those really analytical business decisions i think you have to like have a vision for where you want to go and follow that and have something that like you believe in as your your next goal yeah. And, and kind of work towards that instead of the money everything being exactly. And, you know, if you, if you just stay making decisions strictly on the money, I think it kind of limits where you can go unless you're just a super numbers driven person, you know, and that's, those are the type of people that can grow these huge companies. And I am a thousand percent, not one of those people at all. I would go broke in a week, probably if I had, you know, 10 employees, let alone 50. Well, 
one day maybe i, th- I think it's really important Hopefully to growing it. i think it's really important to growing the business too because obviously yeah you want to know your numbers and everything but to to have that vision not only are you going to be able to give your employees and your crew members a consistent pipeline of work but also you're being extremely transparent about where the company is going there's i i've had several texts from people like asking if they know builders in whatever area. And they're always like, they always come and say, well, this no, builder's not giving me a consistent amount of work. Or it's always like the yeah. next project, the next project. And it's just like trying to guide people when they don't even know where they're going. And yeah. so I, I admire that you have that as a value within your crew and your business because it's so important because in construction, yeah, it is a per project basis, but you got to show people where you're going if you're going to build a successful company, just with any company in general. Um, I, I'm sure. curious to ask you is how have you been able to remain focused on your vision and where the business is going and not being pulled into that rat race? That's a tough one. I think um, I've been lucky that that's just kind of always been my mindset that um, not that I don't care about the money, but it's never been the most important thing to me. And I just, I just knew that if I, if I do what, what I like to do and kind of, you know, only do projects that kind of fit with our brand and a design that I can really get excited about and be proud of, I knew that that would kind of develop a reputation where we would become in higher demand. Therefore we could charge more money because we can only do a certain amount of projects. And I think I just, I'm always really honest with myself and my guys on what my strengths are and what my weaknesses are. So like my guys are always kind of like keeping me on track when I get distracted. One thing I'd love to do is like take things out of the box that we're not using yet and just like look at them and like, you know, be like, Oh yeah, I can't wait till we like put up these decorative screens. And then my guy aunt all the time is like, Sean, why, why do you have the lighting transformer out? We're not doing lighting till next week. Why is that even out? Put that back in the trailer. I'm like, all right, you know, you're, you're totally right. They keep and you grounded. They totally do. And, and I don't take any offense to it because I know I'm just like a little kid out there and I'm just like, whoa, look at this shiny new thing. This is so cool. I'm going to look at it. And that's how stuff gets lost and everything. So, um, you know, I think, I think just being honest with myself on what my strengths are, I just knew that that like growth and volume business was just never something that I was going to excel at. And I thought that, you know, the creative aspect of it kind of came more naturally to me. So that was just always kind of what I focused on. And I just really believed from the very beginning that there was in my market and, and in other markets, that there was this niche that was being underserved and, you know, there, there just wasn't anybody filling that. And I, and I just thought, this will be pretty, I think it'd be pretty easy to develop a reputation over a really short time through social media marketing and just like what pictures I post and picking jobs based on what that picture looks like at the end over Mm -hmm. what's going to just pay my bills right now. You talk a lot about branding and I think this is definitely an asset to your business, but let's jump into job site morale. Um, you know, I, I've seen and Matt has seen through social media, probably a lot of other people listening to this episode um, has seen that 
you know, your guys are very upbeat. They're happy to be working. You guys joke around. Uh, it looks like you guys have a very, yeah, well, I'm sure. All sorts of you guys have a, a, a close bond. Um, That's family. But, but, but I'm curious, like when you first started the business, were you, cause you said you, you saw an opportunity to serve an underserved market, whether that was with your employees or just the types of projects, but Speaking on the people side of the business, were you hiring based on skill set in the beginning or was it primary for cult- culture fit? Or my, I'm going to add on to this real quick before you answer this. Did you know these people that you hired before you, you actually hired them? Because it kind of seems like it. Um, no, none of them. So Really? Yeah. Um, shit. Yeah. I, all right, so one guy has been with me since the very beginning. He was cutting lawns with me. He you know, has just been with me through the whole thing. So we kind of learned together, especially in the early days. I knew that I didn't, I didn't even want to hire somebody that was like super experienced because I was still figuring stuff out for myself. Mm -hmm. And I knew that, you know, I didn't have enough skill yet to like really garner respect from somebody that's been in it a long time. And I, but I still knew I wanted to do things differently. So I just thought in the beginning that I needed to develop my skills more before I bring somebody on that's like much more experienced than me because you know if they see me as somebody that's like kind of almost a novice they're going to want to do everything their way with which is understandable so um it was kind of just getting lucky with with different people and um the one guy Josh or Scooter as, as you might see him be called on our on our Instagram and YouTube He's been with me for like four years now and, you know, didn't have any, he was trying to be a golf pro before this. And then, you know, somehow wanted to do construction randomly and I hired him and he didn't know anything, but he's been just an incredible, um, reliable employee. He's actually on vacation this week. And it's the first vacation he's taken in four years. Yeah. Never called out sick. I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, and, you know, I think that's way more important, especially just showing up. Like, forget attitude when you get there. Like, somebody just shows up is like, show up. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think good. that's number one. Like, yeah, if you if once you're there, you're happy and upbeat. That's great. But like, you got to be there first. So I think that's probably number one which is one of the hardest things to do, just find people to show up. So the first person I hired that was super experienced was this guy, Ant, that's, that started with us this year. And I knew when I was hiring him that he was going to be like kind of the leader on site. He's much more experienced than me in carpentry and construction and, you know, pretty much all facets of building. He was, he was like building houses you know kind of start to finish doing framing um you know just just working with a custom home builder so he's got a ton of experience and it kind of I felt like we were ready I was ready for that like this year I felt like I had learned enough I was confident enough in my own skills that I was able to you know be able to to freely like defer to him on stuff and you know just kind of operate like that and you it freed were, me you up. were built up enough to where you knew that asking him for advice wouldn't be like, a, yeah, exactly. I, I, I get what you mean. It but, was like, when I started, it was like, almost like, 
I didn't want anybody to know that like I had no clue what I was doing, you know, in like the first year when I was just really learning everything myself and, you know, not making any money or anything, just really like, you know, paying for that, that experience. Yeah. So I think I had to get to a point where it was like, you know, I'm confident enough in my own skills to be able to say, I don't know that much. I'm going to defer to you. Here's my idea. Yeah. And it's, it's allowed me to get a lot better at coming up with ideas because now I can just worry about the ideas. I don't have to hundred percent worry about how we're actually going to do it. I can just be like, yo, Aunt, check out this rendering. I came up with this idea and he'll just be like, Oh, geez. And like, I know when he does that, that I'm on the right track and he's always really excited to try new stuff. And like, <laughs> yeah, it sounds you know, like it. Yeah. He's, he just like makes this noise. That's like, okay. I know that he's, he wants to be challenged and he gets excited about that stuff too. And, you know, it's just been, it's been like the perfect hire because it allows me to focus more on what I'm good at, which is just being creative, selling um, the branding and marketing side of it. And he can be like the leader on site and, you have to have that. You you can't do yeah. everything. There's definitely no possible not. And way. Now, especially now that I have a kid on the way, like I'm going to have to find more ways to get stuff off of my plate, hopefully. Um, I'm a bit of like a control freak with some stuff. Like I just, I can't imagine letting somebody else edit our videos because like, I don't know, I just have fun doing it and I want them to be like really stupid and goofy. And I don't know if anybody, like, I feel like if I hired somebody or brought somebody in or outsourced the editing, it would, they would be like too serious and they'd be like too professional. I want them to be like really kind of crappy, funny, just like off the cuff, you know, having completely random moments that make no sense in it. That's like kind of like. That's your style. uh, Yeah. It's just like a a personification of what's in my head all the time. So that's like, and that's really like the vibe on site, like me just kind of like winging it a lot of times. And I want that to come through in the videos. So, but it's probably one of those things that I'm going to have to at least consider outsourcing or bringing in some help on because I, yeah, I think it's helping. Really I think it's helping you a lot though. I think it's helping you a lot though. The, the way that you film, I mean, the last thing that people want is to be branded a certain way. And then you show up on site and it's like, this guy's completely different. Well, yeah. yeah this is polished. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause they would, if they expected like a super professional crew, they would be disappointed because we're just like, not that we're not professional, but we're just like, you have fun, we're just joking around and we have fun and we, you know, it, it's just like, it's all about the experience and, and, since we portray that in the videos, like that's the experience that the client expects. And, you know, the clients that we end up getting are also excited about that, you know, just kind of just exciting atmosphere, I guess. And, and upbeat yeah, you're, and you're not, not screaming and drinking at eight in the morning. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I think the imperfections is what really attracts people as well, though. Cause they, they realize you're, you're being a human at the end of the day, not you're trying real. to be like some, fabricated uh persona that you want to portray online so i think it helps you a lot definitely definitely and i think um with the content side especially with the youtube stuff i kind of wanted to 
like that brand to be like one of my goals is is kind of like to empower other people to like just do what they want and like not overanalyze it and just like follow your dreams or your passions or whatever because hopefully it comes across in our videos that like I'm still completely figuring this out as I go and that's okay like you know you don't have to have like I think there's some people on social media that have this brand of like everything of like perfection and like you know and some people look at that and they're like well they must have had everything figured out before they started like they must have been a complete professional and it's like I'm still just and hopefully I'm always like that because the more that I learn the more like it just leads to another idea that I haven't figured out how to do yet so I got a long way to go but working yeah exactly exactly it's like you know, you have to have like the most valuable asset. It's like being able to think on your feet because there's no way you're ever going to be able to master like every situation that's ever going to come up. Like, and especially for me, I mean, there's something every day that I'm just like, Oh, I didn't think of that. Let's, let's figure out how we're going to address that. And that's kind of like part of the magic. Well, the, the thing biggest is biggest myth. You don't know what you don't know. Therefore, until the yeah. problem comes up, there's no way of knowing what in the hell is going on. That's the way. Exactly. I, I think people are like paralyzed by that, that like uncertainty and like scared to mess up and scared to like make mistakes. And, you know, they get discouraged by, especially in the beginning. I mean, in the beginning of starting a business, it's like all mistakes. It's like all that it is like not, you're not doing oh, anything yeah. right in the made beginning. a lot of those i can list <laughs> yeah. quite a few of them yeah same i mean people just like one thing that i was really good at was like kind of marketing our our projects as like high-end projects but in the beginning that's one thing i, mean, I, I was making like well. nothing i mean i could show you pictures of projects that we did that took us like i remember we did like really the first one after i started premier outdoor living under this company it was like a 700 square foot cedar deck with like all these crazy details and everything. It was like $7,000 in materials. It took us like six weeks and I charged like $13,500. So the guy that was working with six me. Six weeks? Six weeks, yeah. Holy yep. crap. But wow. at that time I was like, this is really cool. I'm having fun. But I don't have like a college... Oh no, not, not even close. And, but at the same time, I was just looking at like, I know that it doesn't matter what I made on this project because like the valuable asset that I'm getting from this is the picture at the end. So it doesn't matter if I charge $5 for it, as long as I get those good pictures, I can go to the next client and say, okay, right here, this is a a $45,000 deck we did. You know, we do these all the time. They don't need to know that I charged 13,000 for that. And I made no money. And at the same time, I looked at it, like, I don't have a college degree. I don't have like any marketable skills. No, What's the alternative? Like go that. make $10 You're on the wrong podcast to be talking about that type of thing. <laughs> no, I, so I agree with that's you. A lo- that's a long-term mentality though. You uh, optimize for learning and leverage. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was, that was really my biggest thing was I wanted to just work on these really creative projects. And I knew that, you know, if I started out and then I just like let those projects fall in my lap 
one here, one there, I would never get there. So, and I wanted to just do that. I was not interested at all in just building like 12 by 12 wood deck. So I was like, here's my plan. It's to take whatever projects I can get, not worry about the money at all. Just make them all look really cool make just enough to pay my bills and everything and get by. And luckily I had, you know, very low overhead. I live in a small house. It's not expensive. So it gave me that flexibility. And I kind of figured a year and a half to two years, I'll have built up enough of a reputation off of this to be able to charge what these should actually cost. So, and it worked, it ended up working out and it's, that's awesome. It's, you know, you, you got to see that vision and you got to stick with it and you kind of got to like not think about it too much in the, in the intermediate because you'll just get discouraged and quit. Cause it's like, you know, you're working 12 hours a day and you know, you're making like maybe 15 bucks an hour at the end of the day when it's over. Yeah. And you know, if, if it wasn't for that vision of what you're actually working towards, you know um, and knowing that this, this is going to end, it's going to lead to something better, you would just give up. So I think that's, that's why visions are so important. The big gains right away. Everybody wants to be top dog and making bank. Yeah. It does yeah. take time. We've, we've been in business six years now and I can remember the same exact thing you're telling me here in the beginning. I remember doing shit work, literal, like I, I wouldn't do it again. And we made nothing. And yep. looking, looking back, I had an issue with, um, with one of them, I built this gate forever ago. Like literally we started out building fences and freaking little stuff. And then yeah. I jumped us into home framing and stuff. But I remember I built this freaking gate and the, the client literally ripped the thing off the wall and called me up and they're like, this thing fell off, this is bullshit. And I was like, would you like me to just refund you guys? Cause this was like the third time they've completely <laughs> obliterated our phones. And they're all, yeah, just give us a refund. And I went back and I was like, all right, let's find the invoice. I charged them like $1,900 and then $600 extra to build the gate. And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm dealing with you guys for $600. Take your $600. <laughs> this isn't even worth my time. But yeah, it, it's all leading up to where you want to be. And it, I think that's exactly a, a big picture to paint here is that nothing, nothing happens overnight. It's going to take years, but and it, get there. Yeah. And it, and it, like, I get people now, like, you know, the, the big focus starting like beginning of 2019 was to like make YouTube videos and jump into that. And now that we're up to like 77,000 subscribers, people are looking at it like, Oh my God, like that, that's amazing. It grew so fast. Like, that's amazing. You know, how did you do that? I tried doing YouTube, it didn't work. And I'm like, I spent all of 2019, I made like a hundred videos and I went from like, I got up to like 3000 subscribers and each video took me like maybe three or four hours to edit. And it seems like from the outside, like if you're just casually like looking like, Oh, last year I looked, he had like 5,000 subscribers. Now he's got 77. Wow. It, yeah. He must have some miracle solution. It's like, oh, I've made like 250 videos spent like literally thousands of hours and made nothing. working on this. And no, I mean, now we're finally making some ad revenue off of it. But if you, you know, kind of weigh that out with how much time's put in, how much it cuts into productivity on site, it's not worth it in that sense at all. Mm -hmm. But 
it's people just see the the big wins and they don't see it. They don't really think about all the work that went through it. And, you know, people say like, Oh yeah, I, I tried YouTube and I wasn't getting any views. And it's like, you, you made three videos. Like it's, yeah, it's that's not, that's with, not, that's not even trying. That's, it's the same thing with any business. People will give up after yeah. a couple of fails when it's going to take a lot more than that. Right when they hit the valley of despair, they're out, and then they try something else, yeah. and then it's valley of despair, and it's just a vicious cycle. And yeah. the, the people who like move through that valley are usually the ones that reap the rewards. But yep. the big thing with social media, it, it's the consistency. I've I've yep. thought about from from the beginning. I mean, even when I was starting out, uh, I didn't necessarily want to engage every single day, but in the beginning, my thing was thirty minutes a day. Let's see how much, how many people you can engage with in that 30 minutes. And that, that's, it's not like it took off. Yeah. It didn't, it took forever, but yep. then like it compounds, but I've always uh, said that social media is you just got to feed the beast and the more you keep yep. feeding it, the more yep. you got to produce. And that's, that's exactly what it is. But in the beginning, you're not feeding it much. Yep. And so it, it, it takes a lot of time to compound, but yeah, man. Um, props to you for creating that many videos, but it, it's obvious why you're you're growing there as well because you've put in, uh, you've paid that upfront tax. It's it's definitely it's probably more work making the videos than it is just building the projects. But people do not see that though. They don't. I mean, especially like, cause they look at mine, they're like, these aren't even like high quality or anything like that. They have to be so easy to make. And it's like, no, it's, it's still a lot of work. I'm just not super good at editing or anything, but. Um, well, even when we were in Vegas, I was, I was sitting in the lobby with Kyle from our buildings and he's, we're sitting there chatting and he's editing a YouTube video. And that's when I was like, okay, wow, I've seen a lot of this guy's stuff on YouTube and just other people's stuff in general. But I had so much respect. It was like, all right, you, you do this stuff all day and then you go home and create the videos and edit it. And I, I've never edited videos like you guys do for YouTube, but it's just seeing that in that moment, I was like, wow, that that's like some dedication to produce content around what you actually yeah. do. Well, I, I've filmed some really shitty days before and imagine this, you work eight hours, it's the worst eight hours you've ever worked and then you go home and you get to reach sure. yeah. just to edit another <laughs> video about a shitty day you had. That's like, that's like kind of a double-edged sword because, you know, whenever we did have like a really bad day, it was like almost a saving grace. I was like, well, at least we got some great drama for the vlog because... <laughs> you know, this is hard. Everything went wrong, but it, we're gonna have some great content from this. So like, it almost worked like opposite. It like cheered me up when things were going horrible. Cause it was like, mm -hmm. all right, well, this will be entertaining content here. So it wasn't all a waste. Oh, God. Um, I want to ask uh, a lot, a lot of companies uh, just in general and some in construction too, will work their people until they burn out and then it's on to the next project. Um, I'm not sure exactly how many projects you guys are taking on at the moment, but you did say you're booked out for nearly the entire 2021. Um, but how do you maintain production without burning out the guys that work with you? I think part of it is finding the right guys that are self-motivated that you don't have to like kind of beat on to, to just keep working and, you know, keep going at a steady pace. But, um, another thing that, 
I always wanted to like cultivate with my guys is kind of a lifestyle. You know, I, I don't want to like the guys are on salary. So whether it, especially with working outside, like if it rains, you know, they're still getting, and we have say two or three days off in a week because it, it's just a total washout. You know, they're still getting paid 40 hours a week. Um, you have them on and that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No shit. That's yeah. I mean, may I ask why? Just so you know, it, it it's kind of comes back to like the culture and, I want to be able to provide an environment where, you know, they can count on what they're going to make. They don't have to, you know, if it rains the next week, we don't have to work 90 hours mm-hmm. to make up for to make three up days for that rain. Yeah. Yeah. I like I that. mean, I got to make up for it somehow because, you know, I'm it's still paying the guys. Regardless. <laughs> but it's, it's something that I just kind of, uh, I didn't, I don't look at labor as like a, a, a per day or a per job thing. So like, I don't break it down like that. I look at it as a yearly cost. Like if I pay him salary, like I know how much it's going to cost me for the year. That was so the then you, you can predict exactly what you're going to pay out for employees. Exactly. And then I can take that, you know, um, that total number and just kind of like put that into my, my like fixed overhead. Um, like, you know, my insurance and my at that point, you know, it's just truck and stuff like that. And then I can kind of work backwards and be like, okay, this is what we need to do. And I don't, I don't get bogged down too much in like, you know, what we're making per job because, you know, we might, we might get rained out like four or five days on a project that's only a 10 day project. So I kind of like, schedule in rain days for the year like i think we'll get 40 full weeks of work which is only like nine months we can work a little bit longer but you know we might have 10 complete rain days over the course of a season so i look at that as like my fixed overhead and then i work backwards and figure out how much we need to charge to be able to recoup that make profit pay for you know everything else and then i can just look at materials on a per job basis when I'm estimating, you know, a new project and that's that way, really smart. that's real smart. So, and, and that was just like another thing that like, since I didn't really like have real business experience or like accounting or anything, I've always been somebody to just like try to look at it the simplest way possible. And I think on the business side, especially in our industry, because like a lot of people that become owners are really like tradespeople at heart. Yeah, And then they try to transition into business ownership. And I just see so much stuff on the business side of it that like overcomplicates it to, you know, the craziest degree where it just becomes like people are so bogged down in the numbers that like they don't even realize that they're not making money. It's like, well, I made 30% net on this. Well, it's like, okay. Or, or I marked up all the materials 30% and you know, what are you marking yours up? And it's like, it kind of doesn't matter, you know, look at your materials, put that in the job cost, look at all of your overhead and then work backwards and figure out what you want to make and how much you need to charge like on a per day basis. And it's super simple. And then you can just look at it and say, okay, we're hitting our goals. We're making money. We're good. And we've hit that, you know, that goal that we set out you know, because we know all of our costs pretty much. The only variable cost on a project is just the material. 
because I already know what my yearly labor cost is going to be. And it just makes it super simple to, to do it that way instead of, you know, oh, we should be marking up uh, sheathing 30% because that's what all the other guys are doing. And then we charge, uh, you know, $1.20 a square foot to install this or that. And it's like, that just makes it super complicated for a lot of people that aren't like super numbers driven people like me. So I just kind of figured, let me try to simplify this for me so that I can understand it and I can look at my numbers and know, am I making money or not? And it's not overcomplicated with all these different, you know, percentages and markups and all that different kind of stuff. I, I feel like it builds a lot of loyalty with your employees as well. They're not feeling like you got to chase the next project for them to stay employed or keep working. Um, outside of that, what what are you doing to to build that employee engagement and the job site camaraderie? I'm sure you guys do. You guys do like team building activities or or, or is the team building activity the all the all, everything <laughs> that you guys do on site? Um. During the summer, we have a lot of barbecues at my house, um, like kind of impromptu Friday night uh, white call on burger benders sometimes. Uh, a lot of times it's just me and Pat, but, um, you know, just... That guy's hilarious. I love him. He's, yeah. And we're, we're, we might be doing some new content because we just turned my garage into a dojo to uh, we're going to get like insanely in shape. It's going to be crazy. So we've been working out 5 a.m. every day. So you're going to have the premier, premier outdoor fight club. Something like that. Yeah. That sounds outdoor. really, that has a really good ring to it actually. <laughs> well, so we've gotten up two days Friday. so far at 5 AM. So we're two days in to our, to our two is better than zero. Let's no. go. So, um, yeah, I think the team building, the camaraderie, it, I think it's comes more out of like, obviously like a employee appreciation day where you go fishing or, you know, do some fun event is cool, but you know, the people are going to feel good that day. But if you're not like showing them appreciation and building like a fun environment, all the other days, then it's not really gonna, you know, create that environment that you're looking for and that morale. So, you know, I think number one, we try to do fun, interesting projects I try to be really like laid back and, you know, not super quick to react to something like obviously in construction, there's mistakes happening all the time. And I try to just be really calm about it and just say, okay, like you cut that wrong. Now we got to get another piece. Okay. I'll go get another piece. No big deal. You know, if people are, if you guys are doing it like a hundred times in the same day, I'm like, all right, what the heck is going on? But just trying to be like cool and level-headed and, and then just, just having fun. And, and part of that is the environment that you create on site as a leader. And part of that is the people that you bring on because some people are just never going to be happy, go lucky, fun yeah. people. And, you know, some of those people work out great in some companies, but they wouldn't work out in our company because it's so driven by, the morale, the camaraderie, uh, uh, the all that attitude. kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like, I want to have like a can do attitude about everything because, you know, I always want to come up with new ideas and I feel like I'm really just starting to hone my skills as a designer and, and all that kind of stuff. So 
you know, there's always going to be new ideas that I'm going to come up with and not know how to do it because maybe it's something I haven't seen before or, or whatever. So like, I just want everybody to have the attitude that we'll figure it out. And, you know, there's nothing that, that can come across, you know, our plate that we can't handle. And I think it's, it's kind of partly comes from, you know, the leader having, you know, a certain uh, attitude and, and carrying yourself a certain way. Lead by and example. yeah, kind of lead by example and, um, you know, let them know that kind of sh- sharing your vision with them of where you want to take the business and, and, you know, letting them know that you're, you're not satisfied where we're at. We want to keep growing and we want to create more opportunities for everybody. So they don't feel like they're just in a stagnant dead end job. Mm-hmm. And then part of it is, is just the people that you hire, because like I said, some people just, they're just not, they're just not going to be those type of people. And you got to hire the right people from the beginning. And then you got to, you know, train them the right way and you have to lead them in the right way. And giving them a place to grow though is really important. And just based off of what we've talked about today, I can, I can kind of tell that you're, you're pretty transparent about a lot of things when it comes to your business, when most people aren't. And that's, that's where yeah. some people go wrong. They're not upfront with employees about what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there. Pay long-term. Uh, is this a summer gig or is this an actual career? Uh, yeah. It seems like you've, you've really given them a place where they can come in and whatever path they want to go down, they're going to be set for success. And they know that, that I'm going to look out for them and I'm going to, I'm going to treat them right. And that's why, you know, we're going to be off for like two months in the winter and they're going to be just getting paychecks every week which is something i've really had to plan for because you know we're not gonna have any we might be taking some deposits to secure you know but you don't have a solid income i'm losing both of you guys hold up it's an expense that the thing i really had to calculate this is a you good you there hold up i'm losing you (laughs) i can hear you i'm back don't worry you're back. Yeah. All right. So we're good. Just keep on, keep on rolling with it. <laughs> the, um, you know, having, having that labor cost as, as really just like a fixed overhead item, I'm able to prepare for it all year because I know it's, it's a, it's a big commitment to make to the guys and, you know, just, I want them to, to have stability to kind of build their life around where, you know, they don't have to be worried about, oh no, if it rains, I'm not going to make enough money to, you know, pay my mortgage or, yeah, the or kids whatever. It's, yeah, exactly. They, and, and then it comes down to me making sure that I figure out a way to make this work. And the way to do that is by building that boutique style business where you create more demand that you can handle so that you can be more selective, you can charge more and you can kind of have that you know uh clients coming to you that only want you because they've seen what you do and it's different yeah and they're willing to pay a premium for it because you know uh it's the same way when i hire somebody at my house like if i can count on them doing a good job and it turning out the way that i expect you know i'm willing to pay more for that just for the peace of mind that i don't have to worry about this being a hack job so i think it all kind of goes together and taking care of the people that work for you is, is just super important. You know, I want them to feel like 
I got their back no matter what. I'll help them out of a jam if they get in one, you know, um, and I'm always looking out for them. I was going to say the fact that you're willing to pay them the two months that you guys aren't working, that, that speaks volume about you as an employer, because there's, there's a lot of people that would think, okay, five guys, we've got two months. We could put some good money in our own pocket at that point. That's a down payment on a new house. Yeah. So, but then that's awesome. But then you're not putting any money in your pocket come spring when they've all left because you know they, they can't afford to not yeah. work. So we, we've talked about it on, on prior episodes, but um, being able to keep employees because of the environment rather than like a $2 raise from down the street. And I, yeah. I think that's definitely something that you've built here. Uh, all right, Sean, before we wrap up our episodes, we end each of them with a fast five. It's five questions to be answered in a sentence or less. The first one is favorite cartoon growing up was hmm, recess. Breck and I are too young. That's, that's like, am I, am I that much older? Well, you're 23. 22. I was going to ask you, how old are you? I'm, tw- I'm 12. Yeah. I'm 32. Are you I'm really? We're, we're yeah. right neck and neck. Oh, you and you and Breck could be twins. Yeah. yeah, Matt just got well, his Did you think I was lessons. older or younger? I thought you were older, to be honest with you. I thought you were closer to 40. I do. Matt like, thought you were like 33. I do have like a <laughs> mega amount of gray hair, which is crazy. No, I didn't think but... of it because of that. I just thought because of where you're at and stuff. But then again, I don't like judging based on age. <laughs> Keep it rolling. Yeah. My apologies. My apologies. <laughs> Number two. That not one... that old, though. That's, that's showing my age. Okay. Number two. One thing most people don't know about you is? I play guitar. There we go. Put one, sorta, put that in sorta. one of your uh, YouTube videos. Come on, yeah. let's go. Open up with a gnarly intro. Yeah, that's yeah. You can make a song for us, and then we're gonna use your guitar solo as our opening oh, song. Totally do that for the podcast. Yeah. Let's we're do it. Straight, straight metal. <laughs> yeah, let's go. I'm down. Um, number perfect. three, very serious question. What brand of hair gel keeps your hair so perfect? Um, quick read. Nice. Great choice. I've never heard of just, it. <laughs> just like concrete dust in the air is the best, uh, best hair product on the market. So, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're working with like mortar or something like that, mm. it gets all in the hair. You don't have that wet look with gel. It just kind of stays up. And, uh, yeah, I'm completely about coming serious up here. Do you really not use anything in your hair? Nothing. No, no shit. Matt yeah, is uh, growing his hair out, so he's looking for some new product. No, no shampoo. No. Uh, I don't shower yeah. anyway, so I'm I'm on. Right. <laughs> and, and if you're if you're having a bad hair day, just get like a little bit of uh, you know, some concrete mix or uh, mortar works great as well. Portland cement, if it's a little oily, dries oh, it right out, and it'll just stay. Str- true to the brand. <laughs> All right, last two. Uh, number four. Your one message to the next generation would be. Have fun, be passionate, follow your dreams. Boom. This is probably like the slowest fast five ever. I'm, I'm really not like this doing is, a good job this, of we're uh, calling this this is like a slow branding this. This is slow five. <laughs> All right, the last one, number five. What does bread to build mean to you? It means building up the industry and giving tradespeople something to be proud of and not, you know, I think one thing that like this whole Instagram 
community has done is like made people proud to be craftsmen and to be tradespeople and you know not feel like they are lesser than somebody that they went to high school with that went to college and is now you know has some really super boring job i like that that was good that was a good polisher that was that was more than one sentence but Nah, slow five. We'll take From it. Outdoor, we'll take slow it. Five. Yeah. Medium five. Sean, we appreciate you coming out of the bread to build podcasts. Um, before we let you off the hook though, where can people find and connect you connect with you? They can find me on Instagram at premier outdoor, TikTok at premier outdoor for all the uh, teenagers out there and YouTube uh, premier outdoor living. So we have one, one policy here on the bread to build podcast if you're going to be on the podcast, you have to at least have the Hammer app downloaded. Can, can we make that promise? We can make that promise. Oh, when is this going to air? Tomorrow. Right now. Tomorrow. Find me on Hammer. I'm always on there at Premier Outdoor. I'm always posting on Hammer. It's probably the best place to find me. You probably won't find me anywhere else. I don't have any other apps. Just we are Hammer, Hammer app. Uh, I'm on there all the time. Oh, that was gold. <laughs> That's the it. most times I've ever heard the company name in a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening to episode nine of the Bread to Build podcast. If you like this episode, you like what we're doing, drop an awesome review, share it with a friend, give us a shout on social, do whatever you need to do. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Brett Going on the Hammer app and pretty much any other social media platform. Also, connect with us on Instagram at We Are Hammer and Builders of Insta. I am Matt. It's your turn. Oh, thank you. I am. I am everywhere. Thank you, buddy. I am everywhere at Matt Bangswood. I'm on Hammer at Matt. I I snagged that URL. It'll be for sale in a couple years when the platform blows up. Um, DM me for that. But thank you guys for listening. Episode nine, episode ten is coming out here quick. See you guys next time on the Bread to Build podcast. Cute, cute outro music. Can't stop me out, you can't stop me out No, no